Salary is just one term. Salary just pays your bills, nothing more. Salary doesn't build your future. Terms build your life and success terms and understanding what those terms look like. And I will tell you, uh, happy to, for you to be open about how you're negotiating salary with your employer. A couple of years ago, um, I was talking to the owner of a private jet company and his lead salesperson simultaneously, and they were both talking to me about what they'd gotten out of the book. And the lead salesperson was happy to say in front of his boss that he'd studied Never Split the Difference and used the tactics and techniques and, and collaboration motivations and Never Split the Difference, tactical empathy, to negotiate a great deal with his boss. And his boss was good with it. And there was another talk that I gave probably about two years ago on Zoom to the head of the sales organization, had all of his salespeople from his organization, his top people there listening to the negotiations. And sure enough, one of the people on the Zoom said to me, how do I negotiate with him? How do I get a better deal with him? And I laid out to him one of the primary questions that we're going to show you today. I laid out to the questioner in front of the boss. And as soon as I laid out the question to ask every time, even in your annual reviews, the boss immediately said, I wish everyone in my company would say that to me. <clears throat> so we want you to succeed with your boss and your employer. And we're going to talk about whether or not they're the right boss or whether or not they're the right employer. That's, that's part of it. We don't want you to feel like you're being held hostage by anyone. Some of the nonsense that I'm seeing in the media these days about what's going on with jobs and people quitting in place. You know, if it's that bad that you want to quit and stay, you just need to get out of there. It's a toxic environment. It's not good for you. Move on. Don't quit on yourself. Never give up on yourself. But be willing to leave bad situations behind and move on. All right, we're going to move into it. Before we jump in at any point in time, Sandy, Carl, Dennis, Don, thoughts that you want to share? Well, sir, looking forward to the journey with everyone. This is this is my team's opportunity to tell me how smart they think I am and notice nobody said anything. So, uh, oh, you're brilliant. Say? You're brilliant. I just, you know, didn't want to speak up too, too soon. Um, <laughs> I just want to remind people that the chat is there. So if they want to put something in the chat real quick and um, we can bring it to your attention if they want to put it there. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Sandy. Perfect. Day. Thank you. All right. Understanding the landscape of what you're up against is critical for all negotiations, just like it is for salary negotiations. We're going to take all the Black Swan principles or the Black Swan method for any negotiation. We're going to apply them directly into what we believe about salary negotiations. And what we believe is every deal, and salary is just a deal. Uh, your job is a deal. Every deal, the underlying principle should be long-term success, a long-term trusted, even intimate relationship, intimate relationship of trust for prosperity of the long-term. So here's what you're up against when you're coming into a salary negotiation. You're going to be interviewed by a team. One way or another, they're either going to talk to you all at once or they're going to talk to you one at a time. 
Now, there are going to be some people that are interviewing you that have no interest in the interview. They get drug into it. So why did they get drug into it? Why the least talkative, the most disinterested person there? Why are they wasting your time with that person, either on a panel or as an individual? That person may be one of the most critical people with the most knowledge for you in success there. And the reason they're the least talkative is they're tired of talking to candidates, so don't listen to what they have to say. Candidates come rocking in, and just like any salesperson, any business deal that most people make mistakes, they're, can, they're there to pitch their value proposition. They're not really there to listen. They're there to convince the other side. And these critical people on the other side of the table are sick of those type of people. So they're not going to talk with you if you're not going to listen. And this is a key to any negotiation. You got to be looking for information clues from the other side, keys to success, and they're really going to be held by the least talkative because he's there because that team wants him there. If that team put him in the interview process, then this person is critical to the success of either you or the organization or both. So this person got drug in because they're so important to that side. They're not happy to be there because they're not, they don't like not being listened to. So your competitive advantage from the very beginning is going to use the black swan method skills your general go-to skills are always going to be mirrors, labels, and dynamic silence, and get used to going dead silent. So many people have difficulty going dead silent. It's one of the most powerful skills out there. Every time you speak, there's a pretty good chance that you pulled the person on the other side out of one part of their brain into the other side part of their brain. Now, sometimes that's a good idea because you want them in another part of the brain, but sometimes you got to go dead silent because you need to leave them in a part of the brain that they're in at that moment and find out what's in there. And maybe it's Elon Musk on the other side of the table. Elon Musk is not a talkative dude. And some of the best interviews of him have been when the interviewer shut up and waited until he responded. Dynamic silence. Be prepared to start counting thousands to yourself. Read the room, read the person, and be prepared to not stop counting till you run out of numbers. Some people who've got phenomenal information for you, and I'm using Elon Musk as a poster child, is going to sit there for a really long time. First of all, they want to see if you're going to start yapping again. And secondly, when you don't, they're going to hope that the information that you have, the information they have for you is going to be absorbed. So the least talkative person is often one of the most valuable people on the other side of the table. Now, there's a difference between what your market value is and what they can pay you. People who are absolutely determined to get market value that's one of your first indicators. There are a number of things that are going to impact your, your thoughts on what your salary should be. And depending upon how they see you in the hire, they will already have been given restrictions as to what your salary should be. And it's going to be a combination of what the market would bear and what they can afford to pay. Just keep that in mind. If it turns out that the possibility for the upside is there, but they don't have the ability to pay, 
that's something for you to consider. Would you go work for minimum wage for Warren Buffett? I would. I, I tell you what, I go work for the guy for free. By the way, Warren Buffett doesn't take interns. And he talks about when he got shot down, when he wanted an internship. It's one of the most critical moments of his career. He wanted to be an intern, work for free at a company. And an individual at the company said, no, interns are too expensive. What would make an intern expensive? Whether or not they know anything. How long does it take them to teach? How quickly do you have the ability to learn? How much initiative do you take? And also how much instruction do you take simultaneously? Most people are only good at one or the other, but being able to take initiative and being able to take instruction are a great way to be able to move forward. So the salary bands, get a feel for where they've categorized you within the scheme of their company. And you can even say that. When you're talking to them and you sense that there may be different salary bands and salary categories, that would be something that would be appropriate to put a label on. Sounds like you've got a specific range that you're restricted into. Talking about numbers is always best discussed when it is discussed in terms of ranges. People are much more forthcoming when they're talking about ranges, whether it be for the price of an object or whether it should be for a salary. Now, here are the rules on ranges. Here's how they're going to interpret it, how you can interpret them. When somebody gives you a range, when they give you a range, they're hoping you come in at the top end. Most people, when given a range, are going to come in at the low end. When you're discussing your salary and you're discussing a range with them, hope is not a strategy. You got to be prepared to accept a low end number of that range if you've given it to them. If you've given them that number and it's not something you would accept, that's not good for you in the long run. So when you throw a range out, understand the low end of the range you throw out, it's got to be something that you could live with. Now, here's what makes careers. What are the intangibles? What are the success terms? How are you going to get ahead in this job? What do you, kind of initiative are you going to take in order to make yourself successful and discuss these in advance. If you don't discuss these in advance, here's a possibility, and I love this story. Keith Ferrazzi wrote a book called Never Eat Alone back in about 2005. It's known as one of the best networking books ever is written. In point of fact, it probably is because Keith had a great co-writer. Who was Keith's co-writer? Why it was Tall Rise, the writer for Never Split the Difference. And the phenomenal way that I enjoyed reading that book and learning from it was the reason we ultimately got on to Tall Rise and got him into a partnership on Never Split the Difference. So I recommend books written by Tall Rise and Never Eat Alone is one of those. What's this got to do with intangibles? What this has to do with intangibles is Keith talks in his book about the first job he had out of business school. 
And while he was in this job out of business school, he went out on the weekends and he did presentations. And Keith, Keith is a natural born salesperson. I mean, he's really good at it. He's really good at, at scaring up business. He's great at interactions. He's just absolute genius at this. So he's doing this in his spare time and on the weekends, because that wasn't the job he was hired for. He was hired to do what they hire every business school student to do, run spreadsheets, run the numbers, run this, run that, do all the stuff that business school students are supposed to have learned. And he hated it. And he loved talking to people and he loved generating business. So he went out and he did all this on his own time, on the evenings and the weekends. And at the end of the first year, his boss called him in for his review and said, if I evaluate you based on what we hired you for, I'd have to fire you right now because you didn't do any of it and you were horrible at it. However, and as Brandon Voss likes to say, however is the Harvard but. However, you've generated so much money for the company on your evenings and on your weekends that I'm going to have to tear up your job description and rewrite it and pay you for what you're bringing to the company. <clears throat> What's the point here? The point here is he didn't talk about success terms from the very beginning. He didn't talk about how he would be successful in the company. He didn't talk about what it would take to be successful in the company. He didn't talk about whether or not he was a good fit for that job. He was not. He had the credentials to theoretically be able to do the job, but he wasn't a good fit for the job. This is a two-way street. The job might not be for you. If it's, it's got to be good for both sides. It's got to be a place where you feel you could thrive. And you need to talk about this up front because otherwise this becomes a horrific experience for you that you should quit for whatever reason. If you don't fit in with this company, you should quit. I've gotten questions when I was, when we were teaching negotiation in the business schools at Georgetown at USC. And I'd always get a question from a woman in the class and she'd say, you know, I work for a company that's famous for not paying women as much as they pay men. And they are out there, ladies and gentlemen, there's nothing I could do about that. Let's talk about the reality of the situation. She said to me, so what do I do? in order to get them to pay me more. And my answer to her was quit. I'm going to answer this as if I were your dad or your best friend who was looking out for your best interests. Do you want to be in a long-term relationship of trust with someone who abuses you in a romantic relationship as a female? Should you be in a relationship with a romantic partner that treats you poorly? Absolutely not. The job is the same way. Only, you know what? You spend more time at your job than you spend in a, in a relationship. So if, it, if, they're, if they don't look after you, and this is going to be the un underlying theme as we continue to talk through this, either you can go to them and talk about it with them, or you find a different job, because you're not going to be happy there. It's going to eat up your life, and you're not going to thrive as a human being. So job interviews are a two-way street. It's as much of an audition for them for you as it is for you for them. 